Very good. Thank you. Thank you to the Carson Family Trio. <laughs> Introducing them for the first time ever. Hey, we are, we are blessed to have you guys with us here today. I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether you're joining us through, uh, through our Facebook live feed, right directly through our website, or you're joining us on YouTube. I want to send just a special shout out to all those people who are uh, watching us maybe for the first time in a while now. I know we have some friends around the world. The Stumbo family, I know that you guys are watching us from the Philippines, so welcome. We are blessed to have you guys back here with us. Um, so many of our friends uh, aren't able to make it out anyway, and this puts us all on equal footing. So we're all watching from home or wherever we find ourselves. Uh, welcome. Glad that you guys are here. We are, um, we are in the middle of a series, if you will, where we are looking at the faithfulness of God. As we lead up to Easter, um, next weekend is Palm Sunday, and then right after that is Easter weekend. And we are praying for and looking forward to great things in terms of healing from this virus and getting back to normal. But no matter what happens, I think normal is gone now. I think so many of us are realizing the things that we've taken for granted for so long, whether it's family or friends or the ability to get together in a community at a church, those things that were just a part of our daily landscape and we didn't really think about them, suddenly we're thinking more intentionally about those things. And I hope that you're seeing them through a lens of just things to be thankful to God for and things that we'll never again take for granted. Um, that's where we are. So we're looking at a series um, of, of God's faithfulness in terms of looking at Old Testament scripture and seeing how that relates and how that's fulfilled in Jesus. In other words, looking how no matter what's going on in the world today, we can look back and see that God has always been faithful. And to me, that is incredibly encouraging. I hope it is to you as we go through. Um, this is our second only uh, online-only service. So I hope that you give us a little bit of grace as we try and navigate through some of the things. If there are any comments or suggestions you have on how we can make this better, go back and uh, comment either through Facebook or through YouTube. You can email us suggestions at info, I-N-F-O, at discovercommunity.church. Let us know if you have any suggestions or anything that we can do to make this better. We want to make this the best experience that we can. And we're doing a lot of things to not only just kind of maintain, but even to step up the experience that we have and the way that we serve our community. So this is what we're trying to do. Real quickly, if you have a youth or you are a youth, I want to encourage you to log on to the, uh, to the DCC 612. It's called 612 at, or at 612 DCC. Sorry, at 612 DCC. That's the Instagram page. And you can go on there and watch Pastor Craig. He's probably getting going right about now with a message for you guys. So you're welcome to leave. I won't take it personally if you go over there and check that out. Uh, the other thing are DCC Kids and Discover Littles are two pages for either kids, elementary school age, or the littles younger than that. They are posting, should be right about now, some things on our Facebook group pages. So if you're a part of that, go there, check those out. There's some activities for your kids and stuff to keep them engaged. So uh, please do that. The rest of you who are still with us, we want to let you know that a lot of what you see is because we're trying to comply with the request from the president and from the governor. Um, 
and things just about wisdom, about staying safe. There was a little bit of uncertainty as far as the numbers, whether we were going to be allowed to meet or not, which is why you saw, thankfully, we are blessed to have a trio in the Carson family that lives together. So you saw them maintaining their distance. And there's only six of us in this building all together right now. And so we have pared it down to bare minimum, but we still want to bring you a great experience. And I think the Word of God stands alone, and I think that in itself is going to be the great experience we're looking for but my job is to help bring it to life. I want you, though, to engage, and maybe sometimes in ways that you've never done before. So before we get started with the message itself, I want you to do a couple things. Grab a Bible, okay, preferably a paper one, but if, it has, if you have a second digital device, you can grab it on there. I like the old-fashioned paper Bible. There's just something, something cool about having that in your hands. But grab that. Grab some communion supplies. We'll take communion together at the end of the message. Communion does not have to be something specific. It has to be something representing the body of Christ and something representing the blood of Christ. Whether that's leftover bagels from breakfast and some orange juice or coffee and toast, whatever you want, it's important about what's in your heart, not what the elements are. But let's take a few minutes to do that. Those of you who haven't gotten out of bed yet or maybe haven't changed your sweatpants in a week or two, I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that too. This is church after all, right? So let's take about 30 seconds or so and do that. Cue the music. Hope you've had time to grab that stuff that you wanted to. Um, uh, let's get going with the message. A um, couple just uh, announcements, kind of housekeeping things that we haven't, um, haven't really done before, but I need to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page. Since we can't meet in person, we're really kind of trying to ramp up our online presence and the things we can do remotely while still serving our community the best we can. In fact, we're increasing many of the ways that we're serving our community. So, for example, um, version notes. If you have the version app or the Bible app, you can go in there and grab the notes for this service. And grab them through that version notes. You look for a live event, and you can see the notes through there. You can also, again, through that version app, you can join a prayer list. You can either join one that's already there or create your own. Or if you're not sure how to do that, you can email us, info at discovercommunity.church, and with your prayer requests, and we'll post them on there. That way we're all kind of praying for the same sorts of things. And I know what's probably top on all of our prayer lists right now is just a healing of our land. And, and I know we're all praying for that together. But share your requests there. Um, next, we have the Dwell, D-W-E-L-L, Bible app that we're offering. It's free for 60 days. We're offering that to anybody that wants it. We have to send you an invitation, though. So if you're interested in this, what it is, is it's an audio Bible app. So you can listen to scriptures. You could, it has reading plans, Bible in a year. You can fall asleep to scripture, and you can choose the voices. It's not a robotic voice. It's a really, really cool app. D-W-E-L-L Bible app. 
and I encourage you to check it out. 60-day free trial. If you want it, email us. Again, info, I-N-F-O, at discovercommunity.church. Ask us. We'll, we'll send you a little link to it. And then let us know if you like it. If you like it and it's something that's meaningful, we'll continue that beyond the 60-day trial, and we'll just pick up the tab for that. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to so far, check out my three-minute Bible Bites. It's a new thing that I'm doing. I'm trying to post a new one every single day. It's just a short three- to four-minute uh, post about something encouraging from Scripture or, or some encouraging thoughts that we're having. You can catch those on either our YouTube channel. You can catch those on my Instagram page, which is pbob underscore at DCC or pbob underscore DCC. You can check that out there. If you just look at for pbob, you'll find that there. Um, check them out there. Also, we're posting those on our community Facebook page. Check them out through there, but interact with those. Look at them. Maybe share them to friends if you think they'd find them encouraging. Um, speaking of YouTube, YouTube is a fantastic platform, as is Facebook Live, to be honest with you. Um, and depending on the time of day, one platform works better than the other. We are broadcasting our live service on both platforms. So if you're having a hitch or anything in one or the other platforms, switch over and try out the other one. Again, it's Facebook, uh, Facebook Live or our YouTube channel. We're doing that. Or you could also just watch directly through our website. Um, but either way, find the one that works best for you. Now, in order to give you the best experience on those things, Facebook and YouTube offer these, uh, these benefits or different packages, things that you can get to add to your page, different uh, amenities, if you will, things that you can do based on the number of subscribers that you have. So if you wouldn't mind, take a moment. If you haven't already done it, jump over to our YouTube channel. You just search Discover Community Church. You'll see our logo on there. You'll know that it's the right one when you see my face smiling back at you. Um, but go on there and take a moment to subscribe to that page. A couple things will happen. Number one is you'll get notified when new messages come up and new things to take a look at. But also, having a certain amount of subscribers, the more we have, allows us to provide better things and we can do more things with that page more subscribers we have. Take a moment if you can and subscribe to that. Um, we're also stepping up our ability to serve the community in terms of food deliveries, food pantry deliveries. We've got some paper products, some cleaning things that we're delivering to those in our community who, who can't get out or maybe even if they could get out, they just simply don't have the resources to afford and to go buy those things. So we're not only maintaining that, but we're stepping that up with in-home deliveries that we're doing. By appointment, by the way, if you need an appointment, email us again, info, I-N-F-O, at discovercommunity.church, and we will get you an in-home delivery. Here's one side effect, though, of this virus. The Food Bank of the Rockies, one of our partners, or we're a partner of theirs more accurately, that we go to and we get groceries and things like that to help serve our community. Well, they have had to scale back and in some cases shut down some of the access that their partner agencies have to that food supply. So for the time being, we are relying strictly on donations, donations from you out there watching right now. If you have canned goods, paper goods, non-perishable things like that, things that you believe would be healthy, don't bring us things that are already expired. Don't bring us ice cream or things like that. 
things that we can hand out to our community. We are accepting donations today. This is Sunday, depending on when you're watching it. On Sunday, we're accepting those deliveries from 12.45 to 2 p.m. today. And then on Wednesday, we'll be here. Wednesday, we'll be here from 11 to noon in that time frame. If you need a different time frame, you can email us and we'll try and set up a time. But help us out if you can bring some groceries by that, can, that we can then bless our community with by getting them out. Please help us out with that. So um, that's it. Now, in order for all of this to be effective and for, frankly, for, for our church to survive through this time, we need you to continue to engage. So continue to engage with our live feeds. Give us questions and comments. Pastor Gabe's in the other room monitoring those, and she'll respond back in real time. So, yeah, when you comment on there, everybody else sees it, and we can respond back to you. If you're new here, if this is the first time or it's been a while, and you just want us to know that you're here, type the word connect in the comments. That's a digital connect card, we're calling it. And one of our pastors, either myself or Gabe typically, will reach out to you today and just touch base with you. Make sure that we know uh, if there's anything that you need or how we can help and just connect that way. So do that. Engage with our online Bible studies. Pastor Gabe's doing ladies' studies through Zoom. I know our men's group, the Fight Club men's group that we have, is doing some meetings through Zoom. Last night, Pastor Gabe did a meeting, uh, an event where they were doing the uh, painting with with a live instructor, but they were doing that all online. So many fun different activities that we're doing and you can, you can just join that. Those are all through Zoom. You get info again, info at discovercommunity.church. Watch our website. Watch our website for the pastor's blog, which is right there on the, face page, on the front page, on the home page. And our pastor's blog, we're updating that daily or as soon as or as often as new information comes available. We're updating that. So there will always be fresh information on there. It's not two-week-old stale info. Check that out as often as you can. The next thing, we need you to continue giving. Or prayerfully consider if you've never given to a church or to this church, I want you to prayerfully consider giving to our cause here at this church. We need it, number one, to keep the lights on and all those things. But more importantly, your giving allows us to be able to go out and serve our community in a time like this when they need it more than ever. And your faithful giving allows that to continue to happen. So we need that. The need doesn't go away just because we're all uh, hunkered down in our homes. In fact, the need is greater than ever. So we need you to engage. Here's how you can do it. If you're on Facebook, on the homepage of Facebook, before you got into the live feed, there was a button, a blue button that says donate. You can click that and donate right through there. It doesn't cost any fees for anybody. It's fairly simple to set that up. You just click that donate through there. Love you to do that. Another way you can do it is text to give. You can text 84321 and text the amount you'd like to give. Again, a very quick, simple setup to get that account set up. If you're giving online, that recurring giving, please continue that. We love that. It helps us to budget so much. And if you'd like to do it the old school way, can't drop in the building for now, but you can mail it to us. Our address is on the website or it's on the Facebook page. You should be able to see that fairly easy. Make sure it comes to Discover Community to, in Littleton, Colorado. Um, that's all I've got, but I do want to take a moment like we always do, and we just thank God for any of the giving and any of the resources that comes in. So would you just join me in that prayer? Father God, I thank you for the faithfulness of the people 
that you have sent here, the people that you have sent, whether they're tuning in from across the world, from the Philippines, from our backyard, from next door, wherever it is, God, you have called them to this place, and I thank you. I thank you that you place within us the burden to serve others, and part of that is giving to the mission of the church. So, Lord, I don't ever take that for granted. I thank you for your provision through your people, and I ask that you touch us all individually and let us know how we should give back and how we should participate in your vision for this church. Father, I pray then that you just take our resources and you multiply them supernaturally to go out in the community and accomplish your will. Let us be your hands and feet. Use us, Lord, for your will. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get going with the, with the actual message itself. You know, everything is uncertain. There's nothing that's the same as it was last week or two weeks ago or now three weeks ago. But if you go back to a month, a month ago, two months ago, there was no sign anything like this was going to happen. So it always seems like things are catching us by surprise, and every day there's a new twist, something that that comes our way that we haven't thought of. But the thing that we can take comfort in is knowing that there is nothing that comes our way as human beings that God has not foreseen. Wouldn't that be cool to have nothing ever catch you by surprise? Well, that's how Father God is. Nothing ever catches him by surprise. He has known from the beginning of time the things that we were going to go through. He also knew the things we were going to struggle with and the way that our minds were going to work and some of the things that we would do in response to that. And he has always made a way for us to stay on the right path. He has always made a way for us to know the difference between right and wrong and not fall into fear. Fear and anxiety over the things that tomorrow might hold or what's going to happen today, those things are from the enemy. Now, it's wisdom to be aware of. It's wisdom to plan for things. It's wisdom to be on top of what's going on. But it's not to get immersed in this endless cycle of things that are just not profitable for us to think about right now. Because we know that God is sovereign and God is in charge. And if we happen to miss a day or an hour, heaven forbid, of the news cycle, and we're not up to date on the latest stats, guess what? God knows what's going on. He always has. And it's not for us to be in charge of that. He is sovereign. He is in charge. And we can't really grasp how significant that is, the promises of God, unless we understand that Jesus is not only the fulfillment of all those Old Testament promises, but he is our avenue, our direct pipeline to Father God. We have communion with him 24-7 now, every day, every moment through the Holy Spirit, we can be hearing from and speaking to Father God. And it's so important to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Now, Jesus is not just a character in the New Testament. He is the reason for all of Scripture. From the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus has been there. And he is the central theme of the entirety of all of Scripture. And we cannot understand Scripture in its fullness unless we grasp that. So what we're doing in this series is we're going back to Old Testament Scripture specifically and looking at ways that it was foretelling of a coming Messiah. 
in ways that only God would have known. But we see it fulfilled here today. It's so, it's so important that we understand that. So let's get going. I want to just take just another second and just pray for some clarity of mind and that God would speak through this. So Father God, I give you this message. I know you have given me a message to share. I've got my notes, but Lord, I give it to you. And I ask that you just change my words, change my delivery, change what the people hear to be what they need in their lives. It would speak directly to their hearts. Give us all fresh revelation, no matter how much we know or don't know about what your scripture says, Lord. Let this be fresh revelation that would give us comfort and peace in a time like this. Father, I know your word never will return void, but it will accomplish what you purpose it for. So God, let this be your purpose and not mine. In Jesus' name I pray that, amen. All right, so let's get to the message proper right now. And let's start out with a question. Those of you who have been with me for a while know that I like to throw out questions from time to time. The question is this, what is the last book of Old Testament Scripture? What's the last book of Old Testament Scripture? Anybody know? It is the book of Malachi. I heard several of you out there responding back. It's the book of Malachi. Malachi was written approximately 430 years B.C. So about 430 B.C., 430 years before Christ was when it was written. Now, we'll get back into Malachi a little bit more later. In fact, that's going to be our key book of Scripture for uh, this message today. Now, the last book of the Old Testament Scripture, which was just called the Scripture, the Hebrews at the time, they didn't call it old anything. It was what they had. It was their Holy Scriptures. And the final word of God in the Holy Scriptures that the Hebrew people had at that time was Malachi. Now, there was a 400-year time gap between when Malachi was written and then when the New Testament writing started to unfold, okay, with Matthew, as we know, being the first one, but approximately a 400-year time span in between. Now, this 400-year time span where, where basically things were silent had a special name. Does anybody know what it is? Special name of this 400-year time span. I heard homeschooling. No, not homeschooling. And it's not what moms are praying for today as 400 years of silence. It's called 400 years of silence. That's that's what it's commonly called. It's also called, if you want to use churchy terms to impress your friends, it's called the intertestamental period. It's that period where essentially God did not speak to us through the prophets or through angels. In fact, they were left on their previous instructions to carry those instructions out and to wait for a coming Messiah up to the time of Christ's birth. Now, if you're a Catholic or have Catholic background, this 400-year time span is when the apocryphal books were written. The, the books of the apocrypha that are part of the Catholic Bible were written at that time. But the canonized version of our Protestant Bible does not contain that. In fact, it is essentially silent for those 400 years. Now, that does not mean that God was taking a 400-year nap. God was not off somewhere doing something else. In fact, he was very carefully and meticulously 
unfolding history in order to fulfill the prophecy that had been given. And we get to see this history unfold specifically with regards to the nation of Israel exactly as the Bible had prophesied over time that this was going to happen. Now, so many things, again, if we just focus on the nation of Israel, things were happening. Just because Scripture is silent at that time doesn't mean things were quiet in the world at that time. Here's some highlights of what was happening. The nation of Israel was conquered time and time again. Multiple times they had been conquered. From the beginning of time, they were always enslaved or being conquered or kicked around one way or another. But in this time period alone, the Persian Empire okay, was ruling over the nation of Israel. They were defeated by the Greeks. Okay? Then the Greeks, in turn, were defeated by the Egyptians. Then the Greeks came back and drove the Egyptians out. So a little back and forth there, and then ultimately the Greeks were defeated and driven out of the region by the Romans, with the Romans taking over. And as we know, as the New Testament Scripture unfolds, the Romans are in charge of things. All these events, by the way, were prophesied in the Bible, or all written about. In fact, if you read the book of Daniel specifically, it talks about most of these events in great detail. God knew how things were going to unfold, and he gave us that glimpse so that we could see things happening just as he had said they were going to. Now, this whole time period being conquered and reconquered and back and forth and everything had great consequences for the nation of Israel. Many, many things came out of this. The, the Persians, good or bad as they may have been, mostly bad, did allow the nation of Israel to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. So we see that happening. That was a great thing that happened during that time. The Greeks, under Alexander then, when the Greeks were in charge, they allowed the Jews to continue to worship in their way, allowed that to continue. However, there was this great influence of what's called Hellenization, meaning they wanted them to learn their language. They wanted them to learn and assimilate into the Greek culture. And so even though the Jews were kind of hanging on to some of that Jewish culture, more Jews at this point spoke Greek than actually spoke Hebrew. Again, that process is called Hellenization. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. The Pharisees, the party of the Pharisees that we talk about an awful lot, we usually portray the Pharisees as being kind of the bad guy, kind of the stick in the mud, the stickler for the rules and all that. The Pharisees were actually born out of this time of conquering and reconquering of the nation of Israel. And their heart wasn't just to be as curmudgeonly as they could possibly be. What they believed in their heart was that the reason that the nation of Israel was getting kicked around like a can from place to place and constantly conquered and reconquered was because they were not adhering to the rules, the laws that God had set down for them as a nation, that they had become lax, and that this was all a punishment from God for their disobedience. Now, in some ways, they were absolutely correct, but like anything, we can take it to an extreme. But this is when the party of the Pharisees was born, and they had the right heart to begin with. Now, let's take just a second. I want to do a little... Bible history break, if you will, but it relates to, as these events are unfolding in this 400-year 
um, silent period that happened. And it's interesting how God can use anything, even your enemies, even times when you are being conquered and downtrodden, he can use anything to accomplish his purposes. And this is so cool. So listen to this. During this time period, uh, when Egypt was in charge, Pharaoh Ptolemy, spelled P-T, Ptolemy, Ptolemy, he was ruling now. They had conquered this nation. And out of his pride, and remember, pharaohs basically considered themselves gods. They wanted to be treated as gods, worshipped as gods. They considered themselves gods in the flesh. And in his pride, Ptolemy wanted to own at least one book of every piece of wisdom, literature, and knowledge in the entire known world. He wanted to possess all of that for himself so that he could say, I possess all knowledge, all wisdom of the world. Where have we heard that before? Many places. He wanted to possess that. And so in his pride, again, he sent out armies, envoys to go find, scour the globe and try and find these different collections of wisdom and knowledge and bring them back to Egypt. And he very quickly recognized that one of the greatest sources of knowledge and wisdom was found in this book or collection of books that the Hebrews called their holy scriptures. The problem is Ptolemy did not read Hebrew. And the other problem is most of the Hebrews didn't read Hebrew anymore at that time. He needed this knowledge and he needed to possess it, but he needed it translated into a language that he and most of his subjects could understand, which happened to be Greek. So what he did is he sent out some people to gather together the 72 best Hebrew scholars available and bring them back to Egypt. And they were given a task. 72 scholars were given 72 days in which to translate all of the Hebrew Holy Scriptures into Greek. Okay? And they did that. They accomplished this task. And then Ptolemy was left with this book written in Greek of the Hebrew Scriptures that now he possessed all of that wisdom and all of that knowledge. We call that Greek writing, that Greek translation that was done all that time ago, it's known by the word Septuagint. Septuagint is the Greek root of 70, okay, 72 scholars, 72 days. But here's the thing, that Septuagint became the most faithful and accurate translation of the Hebrew Scriptures to date, Today, if you go and you look at a translation of the Bible, the absolute best, most accurate translations of the Old Testament scriptures are based in the Septuagint translations that were done all that time ago. So here we are all this time later enjoying the scholarly work that would have only taken place had the pride of Ptolemy not demanded it. God can use anything for our good and to bless us and for his purposes. So back to the message. Bible history break over. Back to the message. So during this time, this 400-year period, things were still happening. Again, prophecy was unfolding. Things were happening in the world. And the Hebrew people were left essentially to their own devices, but to study Scripture, to study Scripture and to prepare their hearts for a coming Messiah. 
So this was all prophesied. They knew it was coming, and they knew it was coming soon. They didn't know when, just like we don't know today. But they were told in no uncertain terms, it's happening, and it's happening soon. So be ready for it. The problem is they allowed their current situation. They looked around and saw, well, we're being conquered. We're being kicked around. We're living as as servants in our own country. They let their surroundings and their current situation guide their theology. In other words, guide their understanding of what the Scripture said. And that's dangerous. We can all do that. We can all look at our surroundings and then look at Scripture and filter what it says through what we think it ought to be saying. But in this case, the clues were there. They knew They had all the information they needed in order to recognize a coming Messiah and to prepare for him. In fact, the second to last book of Scripture is Zechariah. Or it said the last was Malachi. The second to last is Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, we have that on the screen for you, I believe, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation. Now, if you just stop there, if you just stop there, you'd be thinking, yes, amen, like the worship song, yes and amen. Our our hero Messiah is coming to conquer our enemies. But then, the last part, and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That word humble, riding in on a donkey, it would have been very easy for them just to say, I don't know what that's about, I'm looking for a savior. I'm looking for a conquering king. And that's what they were looking forward to because being conquered all over, uh, over and over again throughout history, this is what they wanted. This is what scripture promised them is a king, a Messiah, a conqueror. He just didn't look like they thought he was going to look. They expected a warring, conquering savior. And when he came, they missed him. The prophet Malachi, we go back to the book of Malachi, he had the last of God's corrective words, the last of God's warnings for people to get their hearts right, to stay right, to hold on, to persevere until the Messiah came. Malachi had the last of these words before that 400-year period. See, they had been promised, they had been in the promised land for 100 years, They had already received the biggest thing that they wanted up to that point was, we want back into the promised land. Well, they were back there. They had been there for a 100 years. They were expecting the rest of God's promises and blessings. They were expecting this Messiah to come, bearing gold and plunder of all the nations that that he had conquered in their name. That's what they were expecting. See, they had seen the cycle over and over again of God's deliverance, God's correction for straying from his word, and then God's redemption, and then back into deliverance. They had seen that cycle over and over again throughout history, and they thought, this is what's going to happen. Only this time they thought it would be the Messiah, bringing them everything they ever wanted. They were in the promised land. They were halfway there, but they were there not as victors. They were there as tenants, so to speak renters in their own land. 
They were always under the thumb of some other government that told them how to live and how to worship. They were expecting God's promises to be fulfilled. They just hadn't seen it yet. And in this process, they started to get tired. They started to fatigue of holding to the old ways, started seeing all these things of all these cultures around them and started to want that. And they started to absorb slowly those aspects of these different cultures. This process I talked about earlier of called Hellenization, becoming more Greek, learning the language, learning their ways, becoming in many ways more Greek than Hebrew. And this was a problem. Because they started, although they were following the rules as they had been taught by their culture, follow the law, worship in the temple, offer sacrifices, they were just doing them by rote. They were just doing them because they were supposed to. The heart wasn't there. And God has been and is always more concerned with your heart than following the letter of the law. Now, Malachi then opens this, this last of these corrective words with this scathing rebuke is all I can call it. Malachi chapter 1, verse 10. He says this, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. That is harsh, and what God is saying here, essentially, is I wish that you would just shut the gates of the temple and close it down rather than just to go through the motions of offering sacrifice. Because by doing that, you are defiling the temple. Your heart's not in it, and I just assume you shut it down until your heart's in the right place. They were just going through the motions. They'd adopted these ways of the world, and they thought somehow that just sticking to the rituals, going through the motions, would somehow keep them safe, would somehow make them superior to those around them. They thought simply because they were Hebrews and they were going through the motions that they were going to be held aside. And that's not the way it worked. They were warned by Malachi here that a purification was coming, but they couldn't see it. I'm going to read this to you. My, I use the New American Standard Bible. So if you have the NASB, your version will read just like this. If you have a different version, it's going to be a little bit different. But let me read this. This is Malachi chapter 3, and this is going to be verses 1 through 4. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Let's go back and look at those scriptures individually and kind of see what he's talking about here. You'd be tempted to read in verse 1, 
my messenger. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger. Remember, this is, this is God speaking through Malachi. God's speaking through Malachi, and he says, I'm going to send my messenger. You would be tempted to believe that that's Jesus that he's talking about. But what it really says is this. So again, Malachi 3, verse 1, we've got that on screen. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he'll clear the way before me. Who is this messenger? We have some clues in Scripture itself. We go back, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. It says, a voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Okay, a voice is calling in the wilderness. Who is this voice then in the wilderness? Well, we find out later when John the Baptist is speaking. This is from John chapter 1, verse 23. He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the ways of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. So this is John the Baptist referring back to what Isaiah had told them was coming. John the Baptist is saying he is the one. He is the voice in the wilderness coming to make the way straight for the Lord, to clear the way. Then the next verse, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. They had been praying for the Lord to come back for the longest time. They had been praying for their Messiah to arrive. And what this is saying is, hey, the Messiah you've been praying for, guess what? He'll be here soon. But how do you think he's going to think about how you've been taking care of his home? You want the Messiah to come. Well, guess what? He's coming. How have you been taking care of his temple? That had to give them pause, reason to stop and think. Because what comes next is this, Malachi 3, verse 2. He is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. So let me explain that really quick. A refiner's fire and fuller's soap. What this really means is he's not going to come, he the Messiah is not going to come bearing gifts and plunder of lands conquered far away. He was going to come to purify through trial and to cleanse. Now, trial through fire, he's like a refiner's fire. We have an image, I think, on the screen of this is called a crucible. This is the thing that a refiner of ore would use, whether it was gold or silver, precious metals. You would go into the middle pot, which is the crucible, and you would heat that, and you would heat it to the point to where the metal would melt. And when it did, the impurities would float to the top, which could then be scraped off, and you were left then with the pure with a pure precious metal, whatever that was. And then washing us white like the fuller's soap. A fuller, a fuller in those times, who's ever heard of the Fuller Brush Company? If you're my age or older, you probably are familiar with the Fuller Brush Company, even though they're still around. It was the Fuller Brush and Soap Company, and they made soap. And a fuller in these biblical times, a fuller was someone who took the wool from sheep that had been freshly shorn, Okay? And it was full of sticks and dirt and bugs and whatever was all in that. And you would wash it in this really powerful alkaline soap that was made out of ashes of different plants and things. Very, very powerful soap. And it would basically bleach this pure white. So a fuller was somebody who had this special soap that could take even the most dirty and, and nasty wool and could bleach it white. 
And then that soap, that fuller soap was used in many other ways in different strengths. But that's where it came from. So in other words, what he's saying here is the Messiah, when he comes, when he comes, he will be here to wash us white as snow, paying the price for us, okay? And most importantly this, listen to this. He has not come to destroy the wicked. That's what they were waiting for. Come and destroy our enemies. He has not come to destroy the wicked, but to purify, refine, and cleanse them. The clues were right there, but they did not see it in the context of their mindset. Malachi 3, verse 3, then, talks about the sons of Levi. The Levitical priests were those who were tasked specifically by God to keep the temple holy, to keep it clean, to keep it undefiled, to hold the laws and the rules of the temple. That's what the Levites were for. And the sons of Levi, then, had allowed, they allowed themselves to come to become complacent like many of us do and had allowed things into the temple, defiling the temple and not holding true to what their job was. And what this scripture is saying is that this purification, this refiner's fire, fuller soap would start with them before it came to us. But make no mistake, it did come to us. In order that, again, following in the scripture, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. It's not the offering that matters. It's the righteousness and it's what's in your heart. You can offer anything to the Lord and if it's not right in your heart, it is not pleasing to the Lord. So get this. Just like when you take ore out of the ground, it is full of dirt and impurities and rocks and little pieces of quartz and whatever is stuck in that metal, it needs to be refined in order to reach the purity and the preciousness that God intended for it. And that's just like us. A raw precious metal cannot refine itself. A raw precious metal can't refine itself and a stain no matter how mild, cannot cleanse itself. In other words, we can't live the life that God intended. We can't be what God intended for us without the work of Jesus Christ. We can't ever, will never attain that without his cleansing and his atoning work. That's why we are so thankful for Jesus. Here's a quote from a fellow pastor His name is Lawrence Neesant, and he says this. I love this quote. You're going to want to mark the time hack so you can go back and write this down. I guarantee you're going to want to write this down. You were never created to live out a life that you could live without God's help. A life you can live without him is not the life he's called you to live. I love that. What that speaks to me is that we should not only endure the refiner's fire and endure the harshness of the soap that's going to wash us clean, but we should be thankful every single day that Jesus came to do just that for us, to slowly transform us into an offering that is pleasing to God. I want my life to be pleasing to God, but it can only be that after I have been refined and after I have been cleansed. 
The process of refining is going on around us now every single day. The things that happen that come our way in this life, we have an opportunity to deal with them the way Christ would have us do or the way the world would have us. And it's our choice. And it's that process of refining to remove the impurities from us that we are here for. And then Christ comes to pay the price and wash us clean. So if you want to give yourself to that process, if you welcome that process, like I said, not just endure, it's something we have to endure, but it's something that we can be joyously thankful that we are being refined, joyously thankful that Jesus has cleansed us white as snow. Not something to just put up with, something to be thankful for. If you want to pray that prayer with me, then join me right now and let's pray that together. Father God, we thank you that you will continue the work that you have started in us. You never give up on us. You've always known that we would need purification. You have always known that we would need cleansing. And you have always made a way for that. And so, Father, we repent of ever looking for our own way, of trying to figure out ways where we can refine ourselves, ways where we can cleanse ourselves somehow, whether it's through works or attitudes, or whatever it is, God, if it's not of Jesus, it's not the right thing. If it's not from Jesus, it won't do the job. So, Father, we thank you, and we open our hearts to you. Continue the work that you have started. Apply heat. Apply heat to refine us. And apply the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And yes, we accept your work in us. Continue it. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and head up. We're going to take communion together now. Remember I said that the Hebrews were being chastised because they were just going through the motions. Remind you from Malachi 1.10. It says, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept offering. This is not about a particular offering. This is about where is your heart. If your heart is in the right place to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and celebrate what he has done, not just remember, not just go through the motions, then communion is what we are called to together. The Apostle Paul even puts a finer point on it when he says this, 1 Corinthians 10.21, You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. It's one or the other. You are either at the table of the Lord or at the table of demons. There is no in-between. If you prayed that prayer with me, and you want to celebrate the fact that God will continue to purify and cleanse you, then let's celebrate that Christ has come to do just that. So grab your communion elements, and let's celebrate together. So grab whatever you have for the body. Let's take it together. From Luke 22, and he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, 
and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And take the blood of Christ. Also from Luke 22. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is my new covenant in my blood poured out for you. If you celebrated that with us, maybe for the first time, let's go throughout our day today and just be thankful that no matter what the word says, no matter what the news is telling us, no matter what we see swirling around us, we are, as followers of Jesus Christ, being purified and refined through every trial that comes our way. This is not the end. This is part of the process. And God has promised to continue the work that he began in us. And we can be thankful for that every day. Amen. Thank you, church. Oh
to those that just need your comfort right now. And I'm asking all of you to draw close to Jesus. Draw into him, your fortress. Amen. We bless all of you. We love all of you. Our family, our DCC family, but not just our DCC family. All of you, anybody listening in today, we just want to bless you. And please, just if you need um, a prayer or something like that, just write in to us. And uh, we would love to pray for you. I hope you have a blessed day, blessed week. Amen.